Hello. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to Evolving Us. Welcome to you. And me. To you. And everybody. And everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're super stoked about our topic today, especially because during the holidays, I think that this topic is something we need to remember from a loving perspective because it's definitely one of the deepest things that comes up for us during this time of year. So I'm really happy that we get to talk about it. What's the topic, Jules? Well, boundaries with family. Oh, familial boundaries. Boundaries. We got boundaries. We got boundaries. But healthy, loving boundaries. So that's what we get to talk about today. And I'm so happy that... (laughs) Whoops. That we get to do that today on this beautiful day. Okay, let's just jump right into it. Um, I would love to start by just defining boundaries. What are boundaries? Why are they important? How do they matter in our life? How do they actually give us freedom? And what are some of the misconceptions of it? I love that you're starting off by defining the boundaries because when I learned about boundaries through you, I had a different perspective that boundaries can actually be good versus scary or something that triggered me. Yeah, for sure. I think when we talk about boundaries, it it always comes out as if boundaries are like stop signs, like no. But really boundaries are actually guidelines that allow people to understand a little bit better on how to show up for us and really how to show up for ourselves because we need to have boundaries with ourselves around what works and doesn't work. And and I think I'd like to think that a lot of our specifically our listeners and our community and a lot of the people we work with um, understand uh, and have enough self-awareness that gives them the perspective of like, oh, I need to set a boundary with myself right now because I'm showing up in this habit that doesn't serve me or this behavior that doesn't feel good. So I need to implement that with myself. What becomes a little bit more complex is I think when we start to add particularly familial relationships because in families, first of all, that's all related to our root chakra, our sense of safety and security. And so a lot of the wounds that we experience with our family run a lot deeper than say a boundary of telling yourself, okay, you need to get off the couch or stop scrolling after how many minutes. It's like so different than uh, a familial boundary because familial boundaries usually come from our triggers. Like, oh, this is affecting me in this way, so I need to set a guideline around what is and is not okay um, with respect to this relationship. Yeah, and I think that the this topic in particular for you is one that I know you're very passionate about because I know that establishing new boundaries with your family and also just, I don't know, the thing that comes to mind for me when we we talk about boundaries with family is Thanksgiving that we just had right now and it was so lovely. Um, And so how do you get that outcome in other interactions that aren't just, oh, we're all thrown together for the holidays, right? I think how do you establish boundaries with yourself and then consequently with your family members and reteach people how to treat you and implement the new self-worth that you have through different phases of life. Yeah, of course. And, and to kind of go off of where you're going with, um, teaching people how to treat you, I think that's something that is the most important thing we recognize is that 
because boundaries have a negative connotation, we don't remember that there's a lot of compassion that can really happen in the context of relationship when you teach people how to treat you. Because here's the thing. If you zoom out, we can at least see things from the perspective of giving people the benefit of the doubt. Meaning we can look at it and say, oh, I recognize that even though someone is doing a behavior or a habit or something that triggers me, it's not necessarily coming from a negative or derogatory place. It's coming from an innocent place of someone maybe not knowing how to show up with you or maybe how you've changed or shifted in your life or the new things that are important to you. So for example, you could be having a conversation and something is said and that person doesn't even realize that what they said actually affects you or matters to you. So when we define boundaries here in this moment, we're specifically talking about communication around this is how I would like for you to treat me. This is how I would like for you to show up with me. As well as not just the, the spoken communication, but the non-spoken. Like the communication that happens through uh, maybe ignoring someone or actions that you do or being like, fuck it, I'll just do it myself, et cetera, et cetera, things like that. Um, so the quote that I love that explains boundaries the best is boundaries are the distance that I can love me and you at the same time. And I feel like that rings so true because really what boundaries are meant to do is to create positive things, not negative. They're not meant to shut someone down. They're not meant to hurt someone's feelings. They're not meant to tell someone that the way they show up is not good enough. They're simply to learn how to love people more in a way that honors and respects the space that's between you. Yeah, I think the reason why the word at least for me, is something triggering is because you're setting down a guideline. And I think that in general that seems so rigid, but in reality it's healthy to understand where do we go from here. And hey, it's not like you can walk into the room or you could, but I don't know how effective this would be. I mean, like, hey, well, I discovered this and this is how I want to be treated. You actually have to. <laughs> it sounds hilarious, right? It's more so like you have to show up in a way, right? Just going back to that very simple quote, like actions speak louder than words. You have to show up and show people what the boundary is, right? And that's why actions speak louder than words. And that's why you, when you heal yourself and going into just how – dynamics can be healthier and how you can change things literally overnight because you can choose to show up differently. I think that's where you can understand that actually boundaries, they're not rigid. I mean, they're just a way to guide your journey in a way that is more pleasant with other people, especially towards people that we've known our whole lives, such as our family, our parents, and I think especially thinking about when you expand your family, meaning when you get married or you're in a long-term partnership and you decide to therefore also become one with that person's family, you don't really think about it to that extent. I think especially when you decide, oh, I want to get married or, oh, we're going to have a child, everyone that is in your life and in your spouse's life or your partner's life is an extension of uh, of you and of the dynamic that you two play and these dynamics expand. So new boundaries need to be set too for the 
different identities and different phases that we encounter in life. Like I'm no longer the little girl that my mom knew me as, right, for example. Mm, And so as you go through life and, you know, I I wanted to say things become more complex, but really we overcomplicate things and we discover new layers of our identity and of our reality. We also have to teach those people that have known us since we were born or that literally birthed us how to treat us now that we're in a new dynamic, a new season of our life as well. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. And the only thing consistent in life is change. So as we change, our boundaries do change. And that kind of brings us into our first point of um, what is your personal self-work and journey? How, how does that specifically interact with your family and the boundaries that you have to set based on seasonality and, and your growth? So while it could feel really jarring when you're like, sup, I'm a new person. I'm so spiritual and shit. So you can't be this way and that way. Like that's one thing, right? But the other element of it is that you, the reality of it is that you are changing. You are evolving and you are showing up as a different person every single time. And and the perspective in which you show up in those interactions uh, will change as you evolve and grow. So I'm so glad you said that. And, And I think the main thing here is when you when you do work on yourself and you start to peel back some of the layers of your triggers you're going to find different content of how your relationships with your family has been how it is now and how it's going to go so for example let's just say like you said this little girl in your mom's eyes she might treat you like that and then all of a sudden now you're a woman who's married with two children of your own. Your mom has to treat you differently, but she might not even know what that looks like. And so something I find interesting is that when we, when our goal in our lives is just to consistently heal, meaning I am experiencing a moment with my family, this is coming up for me, and, uh, and, and as this is coming up for me, I, I intend to heal it, I intend to process it, I intend to work on it, the next time you show up around your family, it's not going to be the same. Meaning as you heal, your family relationships heal. And uh, an example that comes to mind for me on that is uh, I had such I had such an interesting experience with um, a couple of my cousins a while back. And um, we were all at one of my cousins' house. And, and I think everyone was kind of, you know, drinking a bit. So there was that element to it. And and, you know, drinking sometimes tends to lead to the lower vibrations of our, our being, truthfully. And uh, I remember just sitting there and I was talking to one of my cousins and there was a few other people in the space. And I think they were they were picking on one of the one of their friend's daughters who was like 13. And I was looking at the interaction and I got so triggered by it because I remember when I was that age my cousins are older than me. They kind of used to talk to me like that. Like they were kind of rude, meaning they were like, oh, you don't get to sit with us type mean girl shit, you know? And it really triggered me. And I was like, hey, like don't talk to her that way. And I looked at her, I'm like, hey, come sit with me. And she came to sit down. And then, and then my cousin, I think she was just, you know, really drunk. And she looks at me and she's like, you don't fucking know shit about this and blah. And she like went off on me and she like was talking to me as if I was the 15, 16-year-old version of myself with a lot of disrespect. And I remember in that moment, what was coming up for me was not feeling defensive like I needed to protect myself in that moment. 
I was feeling defensive of my 16-year-old self, 15-year-old self that didn't know any better than the behavior I was doing at the time, even if it was destructive. And I got so angry in that moment that I like just got up and I grabbed all my shit and I got in the car and I left. And I was like, I'm literally like, like this is going to take a while to come back from. And that was, of course, lower vibe self that couldn't see the bigger picture of my growth and my learning. But I definitely had put a major wedge between my family because of that one night for a long time in that specific relationship. Because like for me, even though there was apologies, like I needed more recognition and that was a boundary that I had to set. But so that part of myself, that season of my being, I've done so much work with her even since that moment, besides since her actually being in present time, um, and, and part of it was putting boundaries down of that, like, you're not that person anymore, so you deserve to be treated as who you are now. And so a lot of my relationships, I like to bring a lot of presence into it. Like, wow, I'm so glad we've grown so much. Or here we are, look at how far we've come. And just acknowledging the process of who we are now versus who we used to be and not still be triggered by being treated in that space anymore. When you're talking about that, I don't know. Uh, why but I keep thinking about perspective because it's like even if we're so used to kind of being in these dynamics and we show up over and over in the same way for example if you were to ask your cousin you know why she reacted that way or she even knew that that took you back to you know when you were younger or, you know, just like that she's showing up kind of in the same way. It's interesting to think about perspective too, because if you don't dissect something enough to dilute it and be like, Hey, by the way, that behavior really triggers me because blah, blah, blah. Right. And these are very specific ways of communicating, which most people aren't used to. And also do set very specific boundaries. And so it's like, if you implement that type of interaction and very clear communication around, I feel this way and it's hurtful because that reminds me of the past. It's like, I guess, how can, what do you think about healing and not being that specific and explaining to other people, especially like in this instance with your cousin, right? What do you think about healing and not directly identifying, you know, or saying to someone, I want you to know I'm going to show up differently or besides going back to action, speak louder than words. What do you think about healing and not directly communicating what got you there? Yeah. Well, actually, so when you were just talking, what I was thinking of is, is in that moment, you don't have tools like, like you do. But when you're feeling emotionally triggered to that deep of a level and it's the end of the night, everyone's tired, blah, like, you can't form a great <laughs> sentence of like, this is how that made me feel. You're like, fuck this. Get me out of here as fast as I can. At that point, you're in fight or flight. Yeah. You're in sympathetic nervous system, meaning I need to protect myself at all costs right now. And to be honest, I don't even think that even after the experience, even though the next day she sent me a long text and apologized, um, I still couldn't even hear it because I hadn't even fully processed the part of myself that I hadn't forgiven that was brought up in that moment based on her behavior and the way she showed up. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we'll, I think we should get into a little more um, guidelines around what language would support you best, but also like techniques of how to get to that language because, correct me if I'm wrong, I think very few relationships can be as triggering as familial stuff and go as deep. Maybe intimate relationship is up there. Uh, And just depending on what you're working with, the type of person you are and how you process pain, um, emotional pain trauma pain, I think that that dictates, um, how you navigate it, how you handle it in that situation. Um, but I will say that the self-work part of reflection and understanding and, uh, the, the piece of you that has to have an internal conversation about what it all looks like before you set boundaries with your family is general across the board for every single person. Meaning, you can't set healthy boundaries if you're not clearly in touch with what your boundaries are personally for you. And I think it takes a lot of bravery to set boundaries, especially with family, because they know you so deep and so well. So their version of you in their head that they're experiencing um, a lot of times carries more weight than someone like a stranger or someone that you're working with because, for example, their depth of who you are is deeper than a new boss or a colleague or an acquaintance or even a friend and they see versions of you that no one else has seen whether it was in your upbringing or the dark parts of you or whatever it is so it's almost like when they speak or talk or act they have a lot more influence Um, their opinions carry more weight so I think that boundary setting becomes even more important to gain your independence Um, and I've always been taught in my family, you know, like blood is thicker than water and like, this is all you have and blah, 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 blah. And I think that in my opinion, that's like a fucked up manipulative way of getting people to not set boundaries with their family. You know, like it creates guilt. Mm -hmm. Like you have guilt by saying, Hey, this doesn't work for me. And this works for me because you're supposed to be unconditional with your family. And that's kind of where boundary setting becomes the greatest tool that you have to keep loving relationships in those family dynamics. Yeah. I think it's such a cop out to be like, Oh yeah. Like respect your elders. And like, you have to, I don't know when I was growing up, I always had to go and like say bye to everyone and hug and kiss and whatever type of interaction was set by the elder. And now there's And like, what about being a child not wanting to be hugged? Yeah. Amen. What about your own personal boundaries? If yeah. Not, like, Some kids don't like that. Yeah. But like going to, you know, the whole blood is thicker than water concept, it's like, it's just such a cop out to take accountability that no matter what age you are, like you deserve respect and you have the right to say, this works for me, this doesn't work for me. Since, you know, even when you're a child, you could say like, I don't want to be touched right now. (laughs) You know, like, I don't want to kiss someone goodbye that I see once a year just because we're at a family dinner, right? Like you kind of strip away being able to have an opinion or have a boundary rather and set it from a very young age with these, you know, quotes or belief systems that are implemented. By the way, your your family's not the only one that's <laughs> like blood is thicker than water kind of thing, right? Like I think we're just like associated with like family is family is family, no matter what happens to you, no matter what you do, no matter who you are and, and that justifies behaviors, which it's it's not like that at all. Yeah, for sure. And I think most people experience that in their families, that that pressure, that need to to be a certain way. And and hey, I have a lot of friends 
and people that I know that have like really incredible relationships and they can't wait to go home to see their family if they live far away and like that's the best time and they feel cozy and comfy but that's not everyone and also want to highlight that you said extended family too like whether it's your partner's family or even a step parent or uh, your siblings, you know, your in-laws or your, um, you know, any distant mishmash of people that conglomerate your family and, uh, being in a divorced family, it's always been interesting and complicated. Uh, so I do want to share on that note, um, one of the most successful boundaries that my brother and I have said is, is that my, my parents are divorced. And for many of our, uh, really important conforming child years, we had to do two separate holidays and that was hurtful and painful and difficult because we would have to do, you know, Christmas Eve and morning at dad's and then we'd go to mom's in the afternoon on Christmas and it never felt right because we never got the full experience of what we wanted. Even though it worked for my parents at the time, it didn't work for us. And so when we got to a certain age, I want to say maybe 13 or 14, um, that we told my parents essentially that if they can't be in the same room together for holidays, that we didn't really, we didn't really care to, you know, do two separate holidays and that, and that they would have to figure out a way to be kind and gentle, um, in the presence of each other. So we could create tradition and nourishing experiences for, uh, times that were important and significant in our lives. So that was a great boundary. And, and since then, we've had pretty much every holiday together. We even do, you know, often Father's and Mother's Day with the other parent as well. Um, even though we're full-grown adults, we do Christmas, we do Thanksgiving. Every holiday that we can do together, we do together. And I find it to be uh, really awesome. And some of the years, it's way easier than others. Uh, we're at least far enough away from their divorce that they can not only just be cordial, but be silly too together, which is nice. Uh, and I know that this is not the way that every divorced parent household goes. We've been really blessed with that. And, and I don't think that you should give your family an ultimatum if they can't even be in the same room together, but consider yourself and what's important to you. You know, like I don't want to have to compromise one thing or the other and do two, multiple celebrations. Like to me, it doesn't feel fair when, when the holiday is about celebrating union and then you create separation to be blunt, grow the fuck up. Yeah. You know, you made a decision to get married and have children and that was your choice and your choice is affecting you for the rest of the, your life. And it's also affecting me and my brother, for example. So luckily my parents are cool with that. I don't expect necessarily yours to be. And so on and so forth. And I know there's a lot of dynamics when your parents get remarried and stuff. Um, but my advice on that would be to create tradition with each pocket of family that's sacred in a way that feels good for your boundaries and what you need for your life. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Jules, since you have also divorced parents, but also there's holidays with David and the kids and then there's this and there's that. So I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. And when you were talking about your experience, I was thinking about, man, we really make things that are meant to be enjoyable and celebratory. Like we make them difficult and they feel like such a chore. And what, what I was thinking about specifically is like when you were talking about like even Mother's Day and Father's Day, it's like once you become a parent and you celebrate those holidays too, it's like 
like there's just so many iterations and changes to boundaries, right? And mm. what tradition looks like is my point. And I think that the goal, we're all trying to achieve the same goal, which is tradition, togetherness, joy, shared experience, right? But a lot of the time we can't get to that point because of the specific feelings and unhealed associations that we have with being together with our family, with our parents, et cetera. So for me, um, I mean, I had a very different experience growing up just because it was kind of like whatever my mom wanted is what happened. I never felt like I actually had to sit down and think about like, this is a desire I have to have a different tradition just because... Or like have a say in it. Right. Like I never really... It's not because like, you know, it was... This is the way it goes and that's it. I just think it worked for me. It felt comfortable. It felt comforting. And I always felt like things were always celebrated. Um, and m- growing up, I I often felt like, why is it my dad here kind of thing? Like when... I was healing my relationship with my father and just trying to understand what my boundaries were in regards to that and what worked for me. Um, I did have different, you know, wishes, but I don't think that I specifically had boundaries that weren't respected or that, you know, being a child of divorced parents would have been different for me or an outcome. I can say that when David and I first got married and then had Isabella, we would go to like four different places for Thanksgiving, which was a lot, super tasking. And Um, that's like an element of people pleasing too, right? And that's what we do when we don't have boundaries. We like walk around and just try to make sure everyone else feels good. Yeah, because I come from divorced parents. David has divorced parents. And so we're always, I have to say his parents, they're always around for like we do Shabbat at one side or the other side, like they both come, right? So mm-hmm. they have a very um, – there's a lot of flow in their presence and how their dynamic has worked out. Um, but it is a lot, right? Because you think about – I mean, even if the parents weren't divorced, we would probably <laughs> want to be on the dad's side because the dad wants to be with his family on the mom's side. And then – so, so many times, like every year that the holidays approach, we actually kind of look at each other, David and I, and we're like – should we host this year <laughs> just to be like, let's mitigate having to go to so many places. But in, yeah. I'll say that even though like we had different um, traditions when we first had Isabella and stuff like that, it was still always so enjoyable to always be together, even though it was hard in one day to go to four different locations for Thanksgiving and have four different meals essentially, right? But I mean, that sounds like really overwhelming, but it would be nice to all be together at the same time, right? So it's like, yeah, there's an element of people pleasing. There's an element of we didn't really know what our boundaries were then. And we always, we had to go to like everybody to please everybody, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that at the end of the day, it was always, you know, when you see people and you're like, why do we only see each other when things are bad? Like (laughs) there's so many people, like you see so many people like at a funeral or it's like, oh, it's so nice to be together. It's so nice. Like why do these big things have to happen in order for us to gather, right? So it's like – Because polarity. Yeah. Polarity is the greatest teacher ever. Indeed. When you don't have it, you want it. And then when you want it, you don't have it. And Yeah. I want to make a distinction also, please. Self-work versus 
setting boundaries around you. And what I mean by that is if you're triggered by something that's like not out of integrity, like for example, if something pisses you off and then everyone around you looks at it and they're like, I don't understand why you're mad about this. It doesn't even matter. (laughs) And then you try to control the people by setting boundaries so that they show up different so you don't feel triggered. Mm -hmm. That is like total spiritual bypassing. That's a cop out. That's bullshit. You need to go back to square one. However, if someone's doing something that actually crosses the integrity of your boundary, meaning like it's genuinely not okay to set a boundary from that place, right? From abundance. I want this to nourish our relationship versus I don't want to hurt. That is a totally different way of setting boundaries. And I think one of the elements of our Thanksgiving was so good, for example, in Thanksgiving, because um, uh, a week before my mom was like group texting our whole family and she was like, what's going on? I need to know like whose house are we doing it? And my response was just like, I don't care. You guys decide. I'm so sick of being the one to make the decision for everything. And then a bunch of people said other things in the group text. And then she asked again, like, what's the deal? What's going on? And I'm like, I literally said that I'm not making a decision. Like, she's like, everyone's ignoring me. I'm like, everyone's not ignoring you. I literally said I'm not making a decision. And I was so fucking triggered. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> come on. And so Chad said to me, Ash, like, it's totally fair that at least she logistically wants to know what's going on. But I'm so triggered by her story of, like, everyone ignores me. No one talks to me. Like, she's got this kind of victim mentality sometimes. I love you if you're listening, Mom. Victim mentality sometimes of just, like, poor me. So instead of me responding to her being like, hey, I need to know what's going on with, like, hey, Mom, actually, like, no, not everyone's ignoring you. I'm not really sure. Does anyone else have any feedback about what we should do? I was just like, you know, and that was an example of a trigger that is my own, that I need to own because it's bringing up other aspects of my relationship and things that I feel with her that wasn't really present with what she was asking in that moment. So I shifted paying attention with open eyes and an open heart when I interact with with her through the process of planning Thanksgiving and the actual evening of Thanksgiving from the perspective of, hey, is she asking something legitimate that I can support with versus, fuck, she's so needy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that distinction of are we expecting someone to show up different so that we don't feel bad because of the things that they're doing – or are we setting a healthy boundary that's nourishing the relationship? And those are re- it's a really fine line between the two, but it's a really important distinction for us to make. And that process of self-reflection is the only thing that really helps get you there. And not just you telling you your reflection, but also those around you being like, hey, you're being a dick. I love that you made that distinction because within that is also honesty, right? Honesty with yourself and not you know, putting the bandaid on something that you're like, I don't want to look at it kind of thing. But it's like coming from a place of legitimately understanding, legitimately healing in order to set a boundary. Because when you're speaking, I think a lot of this information, it's like, well, it it goes to like, oh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? So it's like, what comes first? Like you understand, like, this is my boundary or 
you need to understand what you need within yourself and what your boundary is, right? So I think for anyone listening and trying to navigate this topic and apply it at the same time, um, I think the first step is like you have to be very honest with yourself. You need to be very much the self-work piece is the most critical component to setting a boundary. And if you can't be honest with yourself, with your wounds and your triggers, then Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're just putting Band-Aids around the world. You're not putting boundaries. Yeah. Band-Aids around the world instead of like healing the wound that's actually on you. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, girl. Yes. Something else I think is important to consider in familial boundaries is um, compromise. Because the things that are important to you might not necessarily be important to others and vice versa. So like while it might feel really stupid that your parent needs you to text before you get there, you know, something lame, (laughs) it also matters to them. And things that matter to you matter to you. So if you want someone else to respect your boundaries, you have to respect theirs. And boy, is that a big one, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. And like just being in alignment with your word and the way that you show up for your family uh, is just as important as what you're asking from them. And I find that the self-work that can also help with this is uh, inner child work. If you're not familiar with it, I would say, you know, look it up and do a little research on that. We've got a couple um, programs that incorporate inner child work as well. We've got um, a woman retreat actually coming in March is it in March? Yeah, it's in March. Um, and it's called Woman Lineage, and it just talks about our own inner inherited trauma from generations and generations, uh, and that's local in Los Angeles. But there's a, millions of ways you can do inner child work, and it basically means you're nurturing the inner child version of you, whether wounded or not, and connecting with that that person, that, that younger version of you, as well as uh, what we like to call is reparenting, where you give yourself and fulfill for yourself the needs that were never fulfilled when you were younger. Um, And that's through meditation. That's through activities. That's through journaling. You know, if like when you were younger, you never got to go to a certain place that you really always wanted to go. It's like take yourself on a date there, things like that. Um, That can help really nourish some of those wounds so that when you do show up with your parent, you can actually love them for who they are, not for the version you want them to be. Uh, And that's specifically with parents, but I think it goes across the board here and we'll start to get into some of that here pretty soon too yeah I mean the reparenting concept so fascinating because I think we I mean obviously our parents or whoever you might have grown up with that was like your caretaker caretaker guiding star north star we put so much uh, safety in and I think when you grow up and you realize, like, first of all, like, everything, perception is reality. So something that I may recall as being a traumatic experience as a child, it's so funny because I've talked about certain things with my mom and she'll be like, oh, I don't remember that at all. And I'm like, that's interesting because that's perspective, right? So it's like that land. I remember that. (laughs) I remember that very vividly. Um, And the way something landed with me because of my perceptual position as a child needing that safety from my parent and then just kind of learning re-parenting and also uh, inner child work I think 
I mean, that concept in itself is really fundamental and very key to um, healing um, and, and just understanding that our parents are not the end all be all um, and I'll be all anything, but also <laughs> that they're human and that they obviously did the best they could with what they had and that our trauma would have been just different trauma if it were a different parent or if that specific instance didn't happen with our parent and triggered us and became our trauma now. Um, either way, it's like once you can understand this concept of one, reparenting, two, inner child work, I think at least even for me, it was really such a shift in my um, perspective towards my parents and also in my healing journey and understanding, wow, like, yeah, my parent gave me a sense of security growing up. And because these things happen that I consider traumatizing from a child's point of view when they occurred, that doesn't mean that, A, my parent isn't safe or that... um, you know, things should be discounted simply because of the fact of how things uh, occurred later. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The thing I want to highlight that you said, though, that is like so is seeing our parents as humans, not just as parents. Um, and, and remembering really that they did the best that they could across the board with everything that they have. And because trauma is subjective, like no parent goes into their life saying, I am going to traumatize my kid <laughs> or if I do this, it's going to create trauma, but I'm going to do it anyway. You right. know, like yeah, no parent no. is like, fuck yeah, let me get on board with that. I don't think anyone um, would do that. And just like you said, you know, some your recollection of an experience is very different than, for example, your parents. Um, we have to remember that they are people. They are not perfect. Most of them have or have not done necessarily like work on themselves or reflection and as to their part and really they're in their individual experience. So for example, when your mom came on the woman workshop Hmm. the other day, what she shared for those of you that weren't there, she shared essentially that she grew up in a household being told something about herself, that she was a bitch, that no man would ever love her if she always acted like that. And so that was her self-fulfilling prophecy and her limiting belief her whole life. So at the forefront of her mind, it was always being told that you'll never get this, you'll never get that if you act like this. Her, her, her mind's eye was not on the experience Julia had. It was on the experience she had. Mm-hmm. So while they're processing their own childhood stuff, their own experience of reality, their own enoughness, their own worthiness – we're over here like, damn, why didn't you show up differently as a parent? <laughs> yeah. You know? And they're they're people. And and just because they have the role of parent doesn't mean that you need to put them on a pedestal and everything they say is gold. Like, investigate. Build your own beliefs, your own traditions, your own understanding of the world. Do research. Zoom out. Give yourself a chance to see something as the individual human that you are, not as their experience of reality, their belief system, their understanding. I mean, I think as you're saying this, it's kind of like we are a reflection of so many different parts and so many different pieces of like what got us to today. And with that concept in mind, it's like 
being curious and investigate, yes, like if that's a really great point, but it's kind of like you only know what you know, right? Mm-hmm, so it's like mm-hmm. even I remember we bought like this book on traditions, David and I, like let's create our own traditions and, you know. Because you need a book to tell Because you need a book to give you all the options of all the things that you could think about and all the things you could do. Yes. And I remember just kind of being like, like, this is great and all, but it's also, it's very comforting, the traditions that I'm familiar with and what mm-hmm. I grew up with, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, what's the purpose as to why you want to do this kind of thing, right? And I'm not denying anything you just said. I just think that when you are curious and you do investigate, it's like, what are you trying to solve for, right? And and we don't sit there and dissect our thoughts or our feelings or our reactions this much when we're going through, you know a moment where we do want to figure something out and where we are curious. But I think it's like, you know, all this stuff around, you know, family and tradition and our parents did the best they could with what they had. And there's still so much we don't know about where they came from. And at the end of the day, we all want the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. We all want to be in the same room, create quality memories, have quality time together, spread joy and share a meal. Right? Like mm-hmm. that's the essence of a holiday. And we fight so hard to make it our way mm-hmm. when at the end of the day, we all want the same thing and we all want this shared experience. So it's like, why are you creating or coming up with, you know, different things? And what's the purpose? Is it to be confrontational? Is it to say a few to your parent that you didn't get? a certain thing and and that's like a story that you have around a trauma or a trigger right throughout your life it's like if you really sit down and really zoom out that much yes you could see all the options you have and you can buy a book on traditions and create new <laughs> traditions um and also at the end of the day if you really do zoom out you realize we're all striving for the same thing which is unity not separation yeah totally and it's, I think it becomes really hard to create that unity when it's like so much us against them or us against that person without creating the compassion and the understanding from where they're coming from. So our story of that person, how they operate, how they function in their life usually clouds our perception of them and then blocks our ability to really love them and set healthy boundaries because we're so in the emotional story of it. Mm-hmm. When we were in Outer Banks, I was, I mean, I have all kinds of fun stories going on in my mind about my family because there was so many interesting dynamics. But I remember feeling really frustrated with my brother and his wife in just the way that they were showing up. And one morning I was up before everyone and he happened to be up and I'm like, hey, like, let's go walk on the beach. And I was like, I just want to like connect with you. And we were just walking and talking and there was no real agenda. I just like wanted to connect with him and I was trying to clear all of that clouded shit that I had in my head, you know, and just create some connection. And I asked him, I was like, so what was your perception of our upbringing? I'd, I've never asked him that before. And he was just like, you know, mom and dad did the best they could, you know, like they're, they work really hard to love us deeply and always be there for us. And I was just like, Because I could, like, easily pick apart, like, all the things that I'm, like, the fuck. And he's just got this, like, really awesome worldview of of all of it. Like, my brother's always one to humble me and, and give me a lot of compassion and understanding. 
And I love that. And, and just giving that opening, that space, instead of being in the environment with everyone else and trying to connect with him, just being one-on-one and connecting with him was so different. And I feel like you've gotten to experience that a lot lately, just being around him where you're like, oh, like I'm getting to know your brother differently. And it's, it's yeah. so different. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. As I hear you speak, I'm just like nodding yes, my head. Yes, yes, yes. And also, I just had this realization that, I mean, like your brother is obviously different than you. you guys. So two different. different two but different we came people. From the exact same person. Two people. Like we're, we have the same DNA, the same upbringing. We were in the same room when our parents got upset or angry. Right. No difference. Right. Yeah, and I, but I mean, at the same time, what I was thinking about is, yeah, I mean, like your brother is just so the essence of like thoughtful and humble. Like mm-hmm. if I had to think of, you know, as you're speaking, and it's like what you're saying is also really deep. Like the fact that he's like they, but they did the best they could to love us, and it's like, yeah, like that's, you know, he just comes at things and. He's just so deep. <laughs> yeah, but he like walks with that. Like yeah. I need extra training to remember that because I'm so attached yeah. to my story. Yeah. So he's like such a little guru, but he's such a like – he's just so funny It's in so many ways. Yeah. Um, but he humbles me up real quick. He's like, you're being an asshole. Stop. I love people in my life that do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to talk to you about um, – family dynamics and how they can get really scary. Uh, for example, my dad and I didn't talk for like three years because of his ex. And I went into that a little bit on our first episode and I'm sure we'll have a whole episode where I can really explain what happened. And I would love to do that for you guys with you guys and us together. But I remember that during that time, the holidays were really painful. And a lot of friends that I had that had lost a parent or were estranged from their family. They always were so up in my face. They were like, just make it right. Just make it right. Just make it right. And I read this, uh, carousel on Instagram the other day. And when I read it, I felt so seen because I was like, I appreciate that time is valuable and make it right. But this is like, I'm, I'm hurting so much right now at that time. And so I wanted to read it to you guys. Cause it was so, so powerful. Uh, People don't simply choose to become estranged from their families like they would choose a restaurant or an outfit. It's usually a very painful decision made after years of trying to set boundaries and not having them honored and communicating needs without getting them met. I've never met someone who made this decision lightly. Even once the decision's been made, there's a lot of self-doubt, guilt, and grief. We all long to be connected to our families, and many stay in toxic and abusive situations for years longer than is healthy for this reason. So telling someone who's hurting because they're distancing from family during the holidays, well, it's your choice, or, but it's family, is overlooking those years of pain that led them there. Please don't add to their pain through judgment. They've been through enough. By Iris McAlpin. And I loved that so much because part of family boundaries is not just saying, hey, when I come over for the holidays, can you please not talk about me having kids? It's also, I'm not coming over for the holidays. And that's just as freaking painful. Because like you've said so many times on this this session that 
we all just want love and belonging and all these things. And sometimes that actually means you're isolated and you're looking for love and belonging because what our sweet Katie Moran always says, you don't go to the hardware store for milk. Hmm. And sometimes it means when you have deep needs, you have to fulfill them somewhere else or create a boundary for a certain period of time or for forever or whatever it is. And that's really painful. One of our students in Greece, his father is in uh, incarcerated. And her family boundaries was simply about not picking up her phone every time he called and he would call a thousand times a day and not feel the guilt of, oh, he has nothing else going on in prison, so he needs to be able to call me and I need to show up for him all the time. That's a boundary. Put your phone on do not disturb when you can't answer it or have a conversation. Action is just as important as inaction. Mm -hmm. Words are just as important as no words too. So what I do want to say is that while you can build your skill set of communicating clearly and effectively and lovingly, you can set up strategy and action to make sure that you're never in a situation with your family where things get triggered. You also have to be able to create distance if you need it. You also have to be able to step back and realize that just because you're showing up in love and purity does not mean that that person always will. So this leads me to the next point is attachment. How attached are we? How expectant are we for someone we love to show up in that exact way because we want them to? Because we have expectation of how they're going to show up for us to meet our need. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, for sure. Or just like in general of like, what that quote said of you've set a boundary over and over and over and you have just like an unmet request and it's still unmet. How do you actually navigate that? Yeah. I mean, my back to my cousins, they have their mother, who's my dad's brother's ex. They try so hard to integrate her into all the family stuff. And I, I shit you not, at least every few years, she loses her shit at a holiday. And starts screaming and cussing at people and, like, has so much built-up animosity and stuff. And they still try. But it's, like, after time and time and time and time again, I'm pretty sure that they've had to set more boundaries than ever of just, like, this is not pleasant. We don't enjoy this. Like, if you can't show up and be respectful and be loving, like, you just can't be here. And so boundaries are not always cut and dry, but sometimes they are. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of preframes you can do too. So let's talk practical. Mm. <laughs> I was driving up to Big Bear with Chad. Uh, I think it was like a summer trip before we got engaged. And we're in the car driving up and Chad goes, listen, I know we're about to see all of our closest friends. But when we get there, I need no one to talk about me proposing because I'm really sick of hearing about it. And I'm like, I don't have control over people, babe, but I'm sure it's going to be fine. <laughs> also, why haven't you proposed yet? <laughs> get up there and we walk in and our three-year-old godson at the time, I think it was three or four, he goes, Chad, where's Ashley's wing? <laughs> and he looks at me and I'm like, eh, okay, okay. okay. Ooh, so yeah. about not talking um, about that. But I mean, that was just a silly side story, but realistically it's like a lot of the conversations in holidays are when are you getting married? When are you having kids? You've lost weight. Uh, on and on, what kind of job do you have right now? And there's so many questions uh, 
that are not thoughtfully positioned and you have to have a thoughtful response in order to protect yourself realistically. It's interesting because as you're saying that, I'm thinking most people like even when they ask these basic questions and want to like get to know you because they want to ask you like, oh, so what do you do? Or, you know, right? These just like blanketed questions that seem so innocent and seem like the right way to get to know somebody. Um, These questions that are very triggering, like all the ones that you said, I was like twitching a little bit Mm -hmm. each one. But um, the intention is to connect, right? But the reality is that they distance us because of our own shit. Right. And, and the the stories that we have around these specific questions or the responses that we want to give. And that's all we're responsible for. Right. right? So if someone's like, hey, when are you going to have kids? Like my response would be like, I'm really frustrated because I want to have kids now. But my partner like wants other things established, <laughs> which is totally fine. You know, like we're just, you know, I'm ready. He's he's going to be ready, but it's just going to take him a little longer than it takes me. So my whole backstory is put on a projection screen in my mind as you're asking me that question and you have no idea because all you want to do is just see me. Right. And so my response could be, it'll happen when it'll happen. Or it could be, you know, we're, we're figuring out what our family structure looks like together and you'll know when I'm pregnant. You know, like that could be something or... It's a great response. Yeah. Or just like... um. Maybe I, I just don't want to discuss that. Yeah. Like that's, could be, it could be that simple. These are actually very sensitive topics. Mm-hmm. Or if you know someone's always going to be late, you just tell them to come an hour earlier. Mm-hmm. That's a good boundary. I've, I try to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. We don't need to talk about, we don't need to talk about time. Another way to set boundaries as well is self-care for yourself. Because if you're showing up, especially around triggering relationships and you're already depleted, your wick is a lot shorter. Mm. So nourishing yourself, making sure you're rested or, or even planning activities with family that, that doesn't create tension. Like I love taking my mom to the spa so that we're distracted doing other things, but we're still spending time So that time you're both together. not talking? Yeah, we're not talking too much. <laughs> Triggers. Um, and boundaries are also, let's just kind of say, as simple as, uh, for example, with um, like intimate relationship and families around, we're creating our own traditions here. Or we will be over there at this time versus... This is coming from a place of, for example, me wanting to people please Chad's family and always going above and beyond and always crossing my boundaries to show up and be there for them versus telling Chad, hey, that doesn't work for me, but I can go over there at this time or I can do this for them. Um, And so boundaries and intimate relationship with our external families around us is as simple as just saying them or maybe, maybe establishing them with your partner too yeah man you're uh you're bringing up a lot of things that you, you okay over there no i'm not triggered but i'm just saying there's a lot of scenarios that need boundaries that you i mean potentially have to revisit reset re decide what they look like right because when i talk earlier when we were talking about yeah your family your boundaries with the family but 
also your extended family, also what do, you know, you want different things at different stages of your life. And how do you communicate that effectively, respectfully, in an unhealthy manner where you can still reap the benefits of family? Yeah, for sure. You know, a, t- a tip that is helpful too is I find when I spend one-on-one time with people, even in extended family, I know You mean quality time? Yeah, I know that's your love <laughs> language. <laughs> but uh, time with people like one-on-one actually nourishes the relationship when you're in the room with them with other people there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yes. you've got that individualized connection with them. Um, and then another thing too is like don't set boundaries in front of other people. Don't embarrass someone by saying, hey, it's not okay when you do this in front of others. Like maybe pull them aside and just be like, hey, uh, when this happened, it made me feel X. And what would allow me to feel more safe and love you deeper is if it was handled this way instead. Does that work for you or is there something different that I could do to show up differently and create more connection? This needs a two, Write it down. This needs a 2.0 <laughs> um, episode. Because... But what are other scripts that you have for, for boundaries? I mean, I think, first of all, just being away from someone or yeah. being away from the crowd, rather. This made me feel. Does that work for you? This is how it could have been done differently. I'm not angry. I love you. You know, because people want to feel defensive a lot of times when you set boundaries. So what are other ways you can implement them without making someone feel attacked? Yeah, I mean, I think just like wording around how could I support you? This is how I would feel supported, you know. Um, I think that in any situation where you just actually don't embarrass someone in the in the moment, like, hey, that was really fucked up, that hurt my feelings or whatever, like just the more that we can sit and process what we actually are feeling, where it is coming from, and what boundary we want to set consequently, I think that's like the formula for, to success, if you will, right? So it's like... Awareness. Yeah, it's awareness and it's also identifying like really did something happen or am I creating a story mm-hmm. and what's my part, right? I love I love that question, what's my part? Well, that's like a conversation you're having with yourself before you yes. interact with that person. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, you know, being able to say this is essentially this is what I need and making mm. things super simple, right? Like you did X, it made me feel this way. Or even here, up level, instead of you did X, this happened. This happened. Because then you don't even have to put blame. I got some defensive ass people around (laughs) me, that's for sure. I'm like, shit. This happened. Who did what? I felt this way. Yeah. (laughs) In the future, it would be better received for me if this instead happened. Can this work for you? You know, in that pause, though, that self-dialogue that you're like, oh, what am I triggered? What are my stories? Blah, blah, blah. There's like a pause there that allows you to take responsibility and accountability that's really helpful. And in that beat, in that reflection, you're putting a space between stimulus and response. Mm. And you're allowing yourself to process your emotions in that moment to get a little further away from the negative emotional charge and more into logic and reason and not being so triggered so that you can have a healthy conversation. Yeah. And this is like a plug and play formula, you know, like it could be just this happened. This is how I feel. This is what could happen differently. I love you and I want it. The goal of this is to create more connection and more uh, opportunity for us to be closer. Does that work for you? Et cetera, et cetera is really helpful. I find sometimes too uh, a healthy boundary that I like 
to remember that I have access to is, hey, when you call me or when you text me or when you reach out to me uh, and you have, you know, something you want to vent with or something you want to share, can you just put a little buffer and ask me if it's a good time? You know, that's one of my favorite things because it really helps protect your energy instead of people offloading on you because family tend to think that that's totally fine and, and it's fair. Like we should be able to show up and support our family, but we also want that chance to feel like we're respected as well so we can give more and be more present when our families need us. Man, that ideal state sounds really nice. Shit, we working on it. I'm okay with not having it achieved though, you know, well, yeah. like that's the process of life. That's just the work of life. That's, but it would be great that anytime that someone's about to, you know, offload a, a lot of word vomit on you, it'd be like, Hey, is now a good time? Oh yeah. But, oh gosh. Oh. Music to my ears. Talk dirty to me. <laughs> Can you handle it? Can Are you, you good? Are you available? <laughs> or what about, do you want my advice or do you just want me to listen? Oh yeah, 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 oh. yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that right now. That one's my favorite. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up. It is one of my favorites for sure. And actually that was taught to me by my awesome mother um, is that a lot of times when I would talk to her about stuff, she would ask me what's going on and then I would tell her what's going on and then she'd tell me how many reasons why I was like wrong or like why I could have done better. (laughs) Right. And I'd be so triggered because I'd be like, don't you see me? Like I feel not enough around you, blah, blah, blah. And so what she started to do based on I think advice from her therapist was – if she would ask me how I'm doing before she would listen, she would say, do you want my advice or do you want me to just listen? And a lot of times I just wanted her to listen, but I didn't know how to ask for that. So it was nice that she gave me that buffer and now we use that all the time of, yeah. It's great. And sometimes <laughs> if, if someone doesn't ask you that, you can ask for that. Yeah. Hey, I need you to listen right now. I don't want any advice on this. I just need your support. It's really good, like, in partnership, too. Like, I find mm. myself – I literally preframe so much. I'm like, I literally just want to vent right now. I don't want you to give me advice at all. And I just want to vent about whatever, what the kids did, what happened at work. Like, I don't need a, a solution. Yeah. I want to vent. And literally, that's all I want to do. Yeah, and actually, like, you telling me the possible outcomes that I could have done differently is pissing me off already. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no one's asking for you to be Captain Save-A-Ho. Just yeah. come over here and hold me. And I think that for people, especially like our our partners, our spouses, even our parents, they well, want to fix help. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They want to help. It's all, and it's all good intention. That's the thing. That's the whole thing about family boundaries is that when we set a boundary, it's it's in light of the recognition that our person that we love is doing the best they can with what they have and they're genuinely showing up with good intentions and that we're not attached to them showing up in a certain way, but instead we're open to loving them more based on the guidelines we set for a relationship with them. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Good Good job. You did a good job. Thanks. I think we'll end it on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, it's over. I also realized we never said our names at the beginning of the podcast. Oh. But I don't think anyone's listening that doesn't know us. Fair. This is Julia. This is Ashley. And we're really grateful for loving boundaries with our families. Mm. If you need any support, please reach out. Happy to create another script for you in your specific circumstance and situation. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. And we'll see you guys next week. See you later. Wow. Woo. Bye. Peace out.